This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Tom Gallagher, CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Syngenta, investing billions for innovation to tackle climate change. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with DMI's Tom Gallagher next. Syngenta is committing $2 billion for innovation to tackle climate change. The aim is to deliver at least two technological breakthroughs each year to reduce agriculture's contribution to climate change. That goal is matched by a drive to reduce the carbon intensity of the company's entire operations by at least 50% by 2030. Syngenta. See what innovative thinking and collaboration can accomplish. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. From a consumption standpoint, the dairy industry is doing well with year-over-year increases in consumption, as well as demand now from export customers. But that's not the whole story. Tom Gallagher, CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated, says news of bankruptcies of major milk processors are a sign of the times at an industry that desperately needs a paradigm shift to meet consumer demand. What we really need in the industry is innovation and brand marketers to spend on marketing. There's elements of the industry that are healthy. There's other elements that are struggling. Farmers for the last four and a half years have struggled quite a bit. And over time, I I think that will tend to come and go. But there is a struggle there for farmers, and we have to be aware of that. And that's why... It's so important that the checkoff do the job that it was hired to do or empowered to do in order to increase sales. And the way we do that is to stimulate brand companies and others, retailers, food service companies, to do something innovative that they otherwise wouldn't have done to increase sales. We also are focused on building trust. Trust right now is under siege in the dairy industry. We really are focused as an industry and as a checkoff on consumer trust. Interesting that we have a health-conscious America and we have a healthy product in milk, but yet there is a distrust. What's the disconnect between the healthy product and the health-conscious American? Here's the thing on that. A lot of people in the dairy industry still like to think, well, if we just tell people we have nine essential nutrients, That's all we need to do, and they'll be good. That's just not true. There are other issues. If you have the essential nutrients that people are looking for, the attributes that they're looking for, but you're in a white gallon and you're not on the go, you're not portable, and you don't meet their taste profile and package size and support your product with a story around sustainability, which we have a great story on, the nine essential nutrient message isn't going to win the day. If there's a case study on that, it's the last 40 years in the fluid milk category. Consumers continue to have a very, very high awareness that dairy is a highly nutritious product, but it's not available when, where, and how they want it. So that's the disconnect. If you go into a grocery store, there are one or two aisles usually full of shelf-stable products that are loaded with nutrients or other attributes that consumers are looking for to fill their needs. Very few of those products contain dairy, you know, other than some whey products. We could have been all of those. 
but instead we stayed focused on where we are in terms of the white gallon. So I believe in the white gallon. There's a need for the white gallon, but it's not the same need that it was 40 years ago. So in summary, the disconnect is simply people understand we have the nutrition, but they also understand so do several other products uh, that you and I may perceive as not as healthy or as natural, but if it's where they want it, when they want it, and how they want it, and has the taste profile they want, that's where they're going to gravitate to. So the ball is in our court. Our future is in our own hands. If we want to innovate and do the things that consumers want, we can see a resurgence in fluid milk. There's a very popular company that sells coffee uh, that has made a decision to shift more away from dairy products and toward plant-based on the argument of sustainability. What story is being lost about dairy farmers and your sustainable practices, and, and how do you feel about the Starbucks decision? Well, the Starbucks decision uh, is disappointing in the way that it was played out by certain outlets as if the whole thing was about their eliminating milk. So it was disappointing how it played out. Obviously, I'm disappointed in their announcement and not talking to the industry first. But the one thing that none of us should be surprised by is that there is such an announcement that they're going to have work done with their suppliers to assure a more sustainable product. Every company is going to make those kind of announcements. That's what the consumer is looking for. And I hope we're past the days of people saying, well, I don't believe in climate change, therefore I'm going to reject the notion that the consumer is looking for sustainable products. It doesn't matter what your view of climate change is. The reality is the consumer is looking for the story behind the product. And that story that they're looking for most often is about sustainability. We work with Amazon, we work with Peapod, we work with Domino's, we work with McDonald's. There is no difference among any of those people in their adamance that that's what the consumer is looking for. So if you put yourself in the position of a Starbucks, on the one hand, if they feel that 2 or 3% of their consumers want to gravitate towards solely plant-based fluids, they're not going to let that market go across the street to somebody else who will offer that. So... We shouldn't sit here and wring our hands over the competition would be one message. We should do what we need to do because we have a great story to tell. We have a meeting set up with Starbucks where Secretary Vilsack and some of our other staff uh, will meet with Starbucks to, so that they can understand the reality of the dairy sustainability story and the difficulties and challenges that the plant-based beverages have. You know, dairy is far more sustainable in terms of water usage and other factors, as well as nutrition, than, say, almond beverage. It's a slam dunk. It's, it's not even close. But they don't understand that. They don't know that. So what we have to do in the industry is not hide our head in the sands about sustainability, not practice a strategy of denial and defense. We have to meet with these organizations, ex engage with them, explain what's been done the last 50 years in the dairy industry, explain where we're going, and show how we can work together 
to make sure that sustainability is profitable for them, but also profitable for farmers in the industry. And we can do that. You've had a tremendous story in the dairy industry in California recently announced in Florida as well. Uh, dairies coming together and what digesters are, are harvesting the gas that comes from the manure. You're taking what was perceived as as a challenge with the affluent and turning it into the positive and overall lowering your environmental footprint. I'm glad you brought that up. And if you look at farms, we have 38,000 farms. We have 10,000 or so that are under 200 cows, and then we have several large farms. Every one of these farms is doing something along the lines of sustainability, but one size will not fit all. The farmer with 200 cows or 50 cows is not going to need to do, nor can they afford to do, what the larger farms can do. So in the cases you mentioned, they they tend to be larger, and they've done deals with companies who are going to put on digesters and who will turn uh, the manure into either compressed natural gas to run cars and trucks, or they'll turn it into electricity to sell to the grid, not to mention all the other byproducts that we've just touched the tip of the iceberg of what those byproducts are and the value they can bring to farmers. That kind of solution is going to work for certain size farmers. For smaller farmers, they're already doing other things that I think many of them, uh, I could contend, are already at net zero. So as an industry, we will be net zero. That's just the nature of farmers and technology. They're moving in that direction. And better for us to do it in a profitable way on our own with business partners rather than sit on our hands and wait for regulations that would be pejorative and unnecessary to come down around our neck. Tom, there's little doubt that the checkoff program has helped the industry grow. You can go back to the Got Milk campaign and others that you've uh, accomplished along the way to help to grow and sustain the industry. We could look at other checkoff programs and how they have been successful for the growers that are participating. But now we're finding a common theme that checkoff programs overall are seeing some challenges, whether it's litigation or whether it's legislation. Where do you see these challenges coming from, and and how do you stand up to that in the dairy industry? Well, obviously I can't comment on specific legislation, but I can tell you where the challenges are coming from. Uh, They're coming from a few sources, but the number one central source of the challenges are the anti-animal agriculture groups who want all of animal agriculture eliminated from the face of the planet. And what they've decided is one of the key strategies to make that happen is to eliminate checkoffs. Now, why does the dairy farmer's worst enemy want the dairy checkoff eliminated? They want it eliminated because no one will do the nutrition research like the fat research that we've done that helped the resurgence of fat. Nobody will set up an export council that will help grow us from 25 years ago, 1% of our production in exports, to now over 15%. Nobody will be there when there's a crisis situation to defend the industry and so many other things. So they realize if they can take the checkoff out of existence, the farmer and the industry loses incredible tools that make it easier for these anti-animal ag groups 
to push their agenda, consumers away from animal agriculture. And including in those things that we do is helping the industry do the work of sustainability and then set the record straight on the world stage. Some years back, we did our own carbon emission study, had it verified by independent third parties, and we corrected the record, which had far exaggerated the carbon footprint of dairy farms. So they realized without that there to defend and protect the industry that their job is easier. So a lot of this is driven by that type of company or organization. And what's really disingenuous on their part is they're going to some farmers who happen sometimes to be more of the smaller sized farmers and saying, you know, we don't want all of you out of business. We just want the big farmers out of business. We want the co-ops out of business. We want the checkoff out of business. We want whoever out of business. But we're your friend, so sign on with us. And, you know, that's I understand that appeal to a dairy farmer, not criticizing the farmer for that, uh, but I'm certainly criticizing the HSUSs of the world because they know they're lying. They're just That's just a short-term strategy to get some dairy farmers or dairy people in bed with them when they go to places to do the kind of things they want to do to eliminate the checkoff. And then if they ever get rid of all those that I mentioned, then they'll get rid of the farmers that are on their side because they don't want one farmer, one cow on this planet. And every farmer, no matter what they think of co-ops, national milk, large farms, small farms, organic farms, every farmer needs to understand exactly what these people want. They want you eliminated, and they'll do anything and say anything to make that happen. Two weeks ago on this program, Colin Woodall, the new CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Association, said they're going to take a different attitude going on the offensive to make sure that their side of the story is told and to combat those messages that are presented that aren't true. I appreciate what they're doing there, and that's what all of agriculture needs to do. When all you do is defend yourself against those who are attacking you, you just keep losing ground. What we need to do in the dairy industry and in agriculture is be more proactive with thought leaders, with those who can influence consumers and others about our sustainable nutrition story. We have a great story. We're not the problem on the planet. We're the solution for the planet to the carbon and the water and the soil issues. We've always been that solution. We've always improved. We have the data to show that, and we're going to continue to improve, and the technology is going to continue to improve, and we're going to need to do that because without dairy protein, the 4 billion new people that are going to be on this planet in 30 years won't have any food to eat. That's the other thing that they won't tell you when they talk about anti-animal agriculture. If there were no animals on this planet and if they went to a totally plant-based diet, you are not going to feed the world. And their answer to that is, well, the world shouldn't be that big anyway. So basically they're advocating for population control through diet. Well, that's just wrong. Tom, from an educational perspective, is it important that the Food and Drug Administration begin to delineate that which is a product that came from an animal and that which came from a plant? Yeah, you know, again, when it comes to policy and regulation, I'm limited in what I can say. 
But I can say this, when they permitted the uh, imitation beverages to use the word milk, the thinking was consumers wouldn't be confused. Well, consumers are confused. They don't know if it's almond-flavored dairy milk or what it is. So just from a consumer transparency and honesty approach, you would think that the initial logic of FDA would be reviewed and altered. Now, is it going to change fluid milk consumption radically? No. It'll help. A lot of things need to happen for it to change, and this certainly would be helpful. But in the sense of fairness, you would think this would be a logical thing for a body like FDA to do. Tom, DMI has an eye toward the future with a 2030 plan. What can you say about the purpose of the plan and the people that are involved in it? The purpose of the 2030 study is to look at not trending out where we are today to 2030 in terms of consumers and products, but really to take a look at all the technology and all the other things that will influence how people consume products and what ways they will consume products and information. So it's not a trend study. It's taking futurists and others and looking at technology patents and really trying to understand what's going to shape the face of food and information and then building a blueprint from today to get to that future not by 2030, but by as soon as we can, make the transformational changes that need to be made. Uh, So that's the purpose of the study. Uh, There are dozens and dozens and dozens of people from the industry who are part of this study. There are a dozen or 15 people not from dairy who are very high level in other businesses, ag tech startups uh, and others. Uh, that are advising us uh, to make sure we have plenty of outside in thinking. And, you know, the end result is a blueprint to the future. And while I'm on that, I want to say there are a lot of people in the dairy industry who really would look at a study like this and go, well, I'm not sure you need to do that. If we just give people whole milk, we'll be fine. If we just tell people the nine essential nutrients, we'll be fine. If we just defend against Starbucks positioning of carbon footprint, we'll be fine. You know, all those things are good. We certainly have been the biggest advocate in any industry about whole milk in terms of doing the research that's necessary to get the dietary guidelines to be reconsidered. We have been the biggest, the biggest voice. So all those things are good, but that's a defensive strategy that keeps us mired in the past. We have to be where the consumer is, and we can be there profitably, sustainability-wise, profitably, product-wise, that we have to be. You know, if we just talk about we wish the world didn't have iPhones and didn't order online and didn't do all these modern things, and if consumers would only buy the nine essential nutrients instead of the story behind the product, well, that's not the world we live in. And more and more, it's not the world we're going to live in. Again, I don't want to criticize anyone for thinking a certain way. Those things are all good to do. We need to defend ourselves. We need to push for whole milk uh, in the health community. We need to do other things that we've talked about here. But to grow the business, to be successful in the future, we have to meet consumers where they are. And this study is intended to do that so that 
dairy farmers have access to a viable and profitable future. We can't guarantee that all farmers will have a profitable future, but we sure can show the things to the industry that need to be done for the industry to be healthy as we go forward. Well, Tom Gallagher, we want to thank you for taking time out of a very busy schedule and a busy season to spend with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and Tom, you have the last word today. Well, I just want to thank you for doing this. And, you know, when it comes to the checkoff, sometimes there's confusion about what our role is. And real quick, I'll just say we were empowered in 1983 by dairy farmers who went to Congress and said, look, um, you're sitting on 17 billion pounds of dairy products at a time when we were probably producing 170 billion pounds of dairy products. That's not good for the taxpayer. That's not good for the dairy farmer. Uh, we want to put in a self-help program to stimulate the industry to do the things needed to increase sales and trust. They did that, and ever since then, per capita consumption has been on a straight incline. And in the years before that, at best, for decades before that, it was per capita consumption was flat, and in the early part of the 1900s, it was on a straight downward cycle. So... Every study ever done on the checkoff has shown its value, and just looking at the data of how much production has increased and how we've kept up with that through sales, we've done our job. So really want to say thank you to dairy farmers uh, for what you do for this country and the, the nutritious product and the great care you take of your animals and the environment and thank you for the opportunity our thanks to tom gallagher ceo of dairy management incorporated our guest this week on open mic agripulse open mic is brought to you by syngenta investing billions for innovation to tackle climate change for agripulse i'm jeff allen